Now playing. Why so serious? What is the matrix? I changed your dance to the devil and pale moonlight. What's in the box? Can I tell you like that the time of the peanut butter? What does Marcellus Wallace look like? What what time was that? Oh, yeah, that's even the time I tried to steal the ice cream off the kid. You talking to me? Come at you, man. Like pack animals when they come at you. Yeah, kids that young bite. Oh, they're fucking dreadful. Hello, good people, and welcome to the podcast Movie Reviews in Twenty Qs, the show where we review a movie by asking twenty weird and wonderful questions about it. I'm your host, Sam. And I am joined this week by one gone girl, Stacey. How are you? <laughs> um, that's a weird intro. I'm not gone. Anyway, how is your sex life? I'm here. You are here. <laughs> and I'm also joined by someone who often goes girl, Kahu. How are you? I mean to be punished, and punished I mean had. <laughs> no, good, good to be back. And I think this is the first time in a long time I've shared the table with Stacey. Yes, yeah. it is. Exciting stuff. Is it? Yeah. Is it really? <laughs> yes. I'm pretty excited. <laughs> I'm very excited. I guess I was pretty horny. Uh-oh. <laughs> and that, my dear listeners, is our soundboard. So anyway, as you guys can tell by the name of the podcast and us giving each other shit about it, the film is Gone Girl. 2014 film directed by David Fincher, starring Ben Affleck as Nick Dunn. Rosamund Pike is Amy Dunn, Neil Patrick Harris is Desi Collins, Tyler Perry is Tanner Bolt, Carrie Coon is Margot Dunn, Kim Dickens is Detective Rhonda Boney, <laughs> Boney. <laughs> Patrick Fugit is Officer James Gilpin, but Kahu, it's the first time watching for you, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, and that's uh, it's been the good thing, kind of, about this lack of new releases this year, been catching up on some of the ones I just missed a few years back. Yeah. Yeah. There's quite a few you've missed, though, isn't there, throughout history? We discovered recently when me and you went into Fight Club that you hadn't seen Fight Club. Either that or you didn't what? want to talk about Kahu. Fight Club. Yeah, you don't talk about Fight Club. <laughs> true, that's true. You don't talk about Fight Club. So anyway, other bits of information about the film. It had a score of 8.1 out of 10 on IMDb, 87% on Rotten Tomatoes, and 79% on Metacritic. We've given you the cast. What about a plot? Stacey, what's the plot? What's the plot of the film <laughs> Gone Girl? <laughs> Shit. Shit is right. Yeah. Shit pretty much describes the plot of this film. Okay, so this is a story about a girl who makes herself... Who's gone. ...disappear, yeah, from her <laughs> life, presumed dead, and she frames, tries to frame her husband, played by Ben Affleck, for her disappearance and assumed murder. And um, But then it doesn't really turn out like that, so you just have to watch the movie to find out. <laughs> so what has Amy Dunn really done? Dun, dun, dun. Well, she hasn't done Nick Dunn in a while. <laughs> oh. It's kind of kind of the unravelling of the the perfect Midwestern marriage. Is it? Ooh. If by perfect, you mean the worst Midwestern marriage. Well, I mean, on the on the surface. Oh, yeah. yeah. Very superficial. I suppose, I suppose it. I mean, look, most people have seen this film. Most people will probably want to listen to us unless they've actually seen the film. You guys know what the plot is. Let's just get into our own scores. A bit of a preamble first. If you haven't heard this podcast before, what we do is we review a movie by asking 20 weird and wonderful questions about it. Start off with 10 that can be applied to any film. We then move into three personal questions that we thought of while watching this film before finishing on a listener question. The one that we always start with is the compliment sandwich, which is one thing good, one thing bad, and one thing good about this film, unless we're planning on giving it a score under 5,000 out of 10,000. Stacey, since you haven't been on in a while, why don't you start us off? What's your sandwich? Okay, I'm giving it a compliment sandwich. Really? I am fucking surprised. We're not supposed to talk about the movie before we record the podcast. You <laughs> really wanted to say how much you didn't like this film. Yeah, well, it, it, this is a really tricky one because the first time I watched it, I didn't like it at all. I just thought it was terrible. But on the second rewatching, what almost five years later, I actually realized that you're not supposed to like the characters, and that's fine. That's David Fincher, really. That's isn't what, it? yeah, that's what turned me off the first time. I was like, this movie's stupid. It's dumb. That it's so superficial. Whatever. But now I can realise that that's actually what they're going for. Anyway, my sandwich is, good. first good thing is the acting by that cat. What the so fuck? Nick, Nick, <laughs> the Stacey answer straight out of the fucking gate, Nick man. and Amy have this gingered cat. It, it's oh, phenomenal. Ginger. Oh, yes. I see. I feel some kinship <laughs> there. Yes. However, uh, it's amazing. 
this cat sits still on the bench in the foreground on a movie set, not moving. Even when characters approach the cat, it just sits there like a statue. It's amazing. I've never seen a cat do anything like that before. It's a well-trained cat. It's a very well-trained cat. It's a very well-trained cat. To the point that it might not even be an alive cat. It actually was alive. I know you've it, done your research on this. It did. I have done my research Holy on this. Holy shit, she's and come to play I've got to shout she's out. She's paying attention to it. I've got to shout out. That I think that um, Emily from the Tasteless Podcast, who's one of our Patreons, she's going to love this. I've ha- I found a website called IHaveCats.com, and um, there's a, an entire article on the cat that stole the film. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. Um, this is the only really stable character in this house. That's one of the quotes. <laughs> um, uh, fin- Fincher deploys Nick and Amy's orange cat as an emotional marker. What the um, hell? Nick and Amy's cat actually has some important significance. These are just various quotes. Would have been an interesting twist to the film if in the end the cat could actually talk and told the real story. <laughs> oh, my fucking God. Would have been a short movie. <laughs> yes. What's, what's your bad thing? Oh, yeah, right. Sorry. So, amazing. The cat was amazing. I'm what just the fuck are you doing? You're like scrolling Instagram. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm reading the rest of that article. It's very Cat-stagram. interesting. But I... Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Follow the cat on Instagram. Look but what I... else it's been up to. But I don't want to get derailed. My bad thing is Rosamund Pike's voice in this movie. Yeah. The, the tone of her voice is very deep and breathy, and her accent is a bit odd. It just makes her character so un. Um, what's the word? Fuck. Unrelate. Uh, no, unrelatable. Oh, unrelatable. Same okay. thing. Yeah. Like oh, it, it just grated yeah. on me, and I actually commented on it about six times in the first like well, I don't know ten minutes of them watching the movie. It's so annoying. I yeah you're right like as soon as you pointed it out it's all you could listen for yeah. it's mm. just yeah and my final good thing is as i mentioned earlier they make you not like the characters but then your sense of frustration at not liking the characters actually keeps you watching the movie cuz you want to find out at what point they're going to become human Last week's episode on Social Network, similar dilemma. You, yeah. But still, you want to see what happens to these people. Yep, similar dilemma here. Yeah. But it's a, it's a good thing, I've realised on a second watching. It draw, draws you in. Out of 10,000 missing posters? I'm giving it 6,700. That's a lot of missing posters. It is actually quite high, but I'm I'm looking at the IMDb and Rotten Tomatoes, 88.1 and 87. That's very high. That is very high. Uh, that seems ridiculously high. I actually was going to go lower, but then I thought mm, I could see myself on a third watching co- coming to quite like this movie. You don't watch movies three times. What the <laughs> hell is this shit? How drunk are you? <laughs> I'm not. I'm just telling you what you I think. You are so drunk. Anyway, Kahu, over to you. What do you got, bro? <laughs> yeah, so uh, my first good thing, I really like the slow burn of this movie. Mm. How it just kind of added little bits and pieces there and there. And when watched parts of it a second time, um, it's got kind of a few layers to it, and you pick up things on on a second watch, as Stacey yes. was saying. And yeah, and also how that they they switch to Amy's perspective kind of reasonably early, which I thought was mm. an an interesting call. They could have easily left that till quite close to the end to kind of leave everybody hanging a bit. Yeah. But I thought it actually made for a better movie. Mm. My bad thing, and. Uh, I don't know if I really like the the ending of this film, but it was when <laughs> oh, oh, there's lots to like. It's a very happy and upbeat ending <laughs> when all the when all the cops were surrounding Amy in the hospital after she comes back. All the male cops are just frothing over her, and I was just like, <laughs> "This is just." I I just thought it was a bit too convenient. You don't it's froth bizarre. over blonde girls that are covered in blood. <laughs> it's just creepy. It was like they were starstruck, you know, meeting amazing Amy. They were like, oh, hanging off every word. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Makes sense. A score out of 10,000? I've still got one other good thing. Oh, good thing. Oh, shit, sorry. Uh, (laughs) I actually thought that Ben Affleck was really good in this role. And more more than that, I actually thought, well, yeah, I thought he really suited the role. But more than that, I actually thought this movie was very well cast. You say that. Apart from the accent, which Stacey talked about. Yes, that was a bit of a bad. sticking point. Mm. But there's, I'll, I'll, like, what's the square out of 10,000? Yeah, see, 
I struggle with this, anywhere between 4,000 and 9,000, but the plot Pick was... Pick a side, Kahoo. The plot was pretty good. <laughs> the characters, I thought, were really good. It's a bit, although it's based on a book, it's a bit of a unique movie, so I'm going to go at the upper end. I'm going to go 8,800. Shit! Yeah. I'm very surprised. Yeah. I, I didn't like it, but I... I <laughs> I li- is, you're turning into Stacey. <laughs> I liked, what is going on here? I liked what the movie did, but it wasn't the type of movie that you go, oh, it's my favorite movie, you know? Yes, that makes sense. Because it's hard to differentiate the how you feel about the characters and the topic of the movie. Like, it mm. makes you feel a bit uncomfortable and you don't really understand what's happening. Well, no, sorry. You do understand. It's not like Tenet. It's, you, <laughs> it's, you, it's you're just frustrated and it's not likable. Yeah, it's, but, it's, it's not the movie you just chuck on because you're like, oh, it's my favourite movie. I haven't seen yeah. that in a while. Yeah, yeah but you can yeah. obviously appreciate the quality of the movie yeah, in your score. Yeah. Mm. I'll skip straight into my bad thing because I think there was one character in this that was horribly cast, and that was Neil Patrick Harris. I yeah. just, Why? I don't know. I just felt like he was the weak link in the chain. And I, I will say, though, the good thing is, like similar to what you guys are saying, the acting performances in this are phenomenal. And you wouldn't expect to say, you know, Tyler Perry has a great acting role or, you know, Ben Affleck is like fucking perfect. You know, like him and his shit eating grin when he takes a photo beside the missing photo. You're like, this is Ben Affleck. This is perfect. You know, (laughs) this is Ben Affleck being Ben Affleck. Like, you know, it's like amazingly well cast. And, um, oh, and Kim Dickens is the, as the police officer. She's phenomenal. Yeah. She is so good. Final good thing. It's so beautifully shot. Like the perspectives they use as well as his, like, slow sweeping panning and all that sort of mm. shit. Like, it's, it's full of David Fincherisms, but at the same time, they just add to the twist and the suspense and all that sort of shit of the movie. You know, like, the, my favourite shot of the movie by far is when he's looking down on her and he's talking about unspooling her brains, and she looks up, and rather than looking straight at the camera and making you feel like you're the character, she looks just slightly to the side, mm. and it makes you feel like you've slid into bed beside these two people, mm. and you're just like suddenly becoming part of their life. And it's just so creepily done, yet so awesome at the same time. And I suppose what it really boils down to is like Finch's observational camera style is almost by definition unsympathetic, and so a, it's like a perfect fit for like looking in on these two people and laying their faults bare for the audience. Mm. That Are almost sounds sure? like Topher said that to me, doesn't it? <laughs> I know. Yeah. I was like, that sounds very scripted, Sam. Yes. <laughs> Thank you, Topher, from We Watch the Thing. That's something that he would have liked to have included in his episode, not thrown into this one. So my score, I'm, I'm with you, Kahu. Parts of me just hates this movie, whereas parts of me loves it. Like, absolutely love it. I, 7,012. Mm. It's a mm. solid film. The first watch, I think, was probably the best watch for me. I walked out of it and I was like, that film is phenomenal, but. Subsequent viewings, I've started to sort of see the holes in it, I guess is the best thing to mm. say. You talked about the screenplay and how it was based on a book and originality. I will give it this. Gillian Flynn, who wrote the book, actually wrote the screenplay for the film. Oh, yeah. So that's, that was pretty cool. But yeah, there's, there's just some things that sort of fall apart that we'll discuss more and more yeah. later. If the, if the, the ending was a bit more plausible, I think it would have gotten the 9,000s for me. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Mm. Yeah. 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 That was the thing that it just, seem to double down then triple down on the insanity and by mm-hmm. that point you're like come on yeah this yeah. is come on yeah i actually had the opposite experience to you sam watching this on the first watch i saw all the holes and mm. then on second watch some of those holes started to not be covered up they're still there but like kahu said the layers you start to appreciate the layers in the story a bit more sometimes it is good to cover up holes <laughs> Should we move on to question number two? Yes, we should. <laughs> that silence would suggest so. Uh, what's question number two these days? What character would you swap places with? Uh, let's point out that this is a Patreon question. This question comes courtesy of the amazing man, this Chris Yeni. Chris has a usual question that he throws at us, but this week he specifically asked for this one. Thanks, Chris. What you, what's your answer, Kahu? Uh, I think because this is such a screwed up world, you don't really want to be any of them. So I'm going with... Nick's crazy dad, because at least he's high most of the time. <laughs> he doesn't have to deal with any of this shit that's going on. I've got it written down on my piece of paper, dementia dad, because you don't, <laughs> you got no idea what the hell's going on. Yeah. So who cares? And then, and then I was almost going to say Nick's mum, because like, at least I'm dead. Uh, yeah, yeah. Excuse me, I think you've both swapped places with me tonight. That is nuts answer. <laughs> I just couldn't think of anybody else, like, 
Yeah, I don't know. Okay, so my my backup answer was at one point there early on they're at the bar, which is like the bar, and you see a dude in the background <laughs> drinking by himself. Sweet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that dude. Okay, I've got an actual answer. What? What do you mean an actual answer? <laughs> had an actual answer. You can hear us sliming our way out of this, Chris. <laughs> yeah, I'm going with Detective Rhonda Boney. Uh, Detective Boney. Yeah, Detective Boney, who we didn't even know that was her name the entire movie. Now we love it. Detective Boney. Okay, okay. Now let's let's be honest here. If you had to be Nick or Amy, who would you be? I think you'd have to probably be Amy because she's the one that's kind of in control of the whole situation. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. You don't feel like you'd want to be Nick and just sort of come around to it by the end? Like, oh, who am I kidding, man? I'm fucking serious right now. That would be soul destroying. Yeah. Yeah. How good would it have been if um, Nick called up Detective Boney and just said, Help me, Rhonda. Help me, Rhonda. (laughs) Help me, Rhonda. Help, help help me, Rhonda. Oh, that would be That'd be that, amazing. That would improve the movie out of this world. <laughs> I would add a thousand points for that. <laughs> it's a shame because Chris Yeni's normal question is like, what song would you have inserted into this film? So there we go, Chris have answered both your questions. <laughs> Brilliant, Kahu. Brilliant. Number three, what is it there, Kahu? Uh what deep philosophical debate arose in you during this film, Sam? Well, speaking of Rhonda, would I try and pursue Having Amy arrested. Like, you know what you know. You mm. know everything that's going on behind the scenes. Would I still, you know, would I be able to let it rest? I don't think I would. If I'm, like, we see her as quite a dedicated, onto it, following around police officer. Yeah. And, like, she says, oh, it's out of my hands. The FBI has it and shit like that. Surely you'd. Yeah. She I... seemed too relaxed about it, eh? She's like, oh, well, out of our hands. You'd have to find something, yeah. Yeah, you'd have to be super careful about it because, yeah, who knows what would happen if Amy found out. Yeah, yeah, true. <laughs> Absolutely. That's a good point. What about you, Stace? Okay, so my debate was, what was it specifically that made Rosamund Pike's performance as Amy so cringy? Was it the poor dialogue? Cringy? Yeah. Yeah. She was nominated for an Oscar. I know, but I'd felt that it was cringy. Yeah. Some of her dialogue was so, like... I don't even know how to describe it. Just like odd. And we've already talked about it, but her voice just made it 10 times worse. Yeah. So I was just going around in circles debating around what was making her so annoying. But a lot of her dialogue was based on her diary entries, though. Yeah, which was completely made up. And it's interesting because at the start of the movie, I said to Sam, her diary is so unrealistic. Nobody writes a diary using that kind of language but then later on we find out she's writing the diary specifically to make mm, that mm. on no three-year span yeah. of history more mm. believable. So, of course, then you're like, ah, oh, the whole thing is made up. It is fake. Wouldn't she be writing it quite cringy, though? Like, isn't that sort of lend itself to that? Yeah, it does. But even some of the conversational stuff between her and Nick, just... Yeah. I feel like, Odd. like we mentioned that she got nominated for an Oscar. I feel like the Oscar nomination came in that one scene where she slits Dizzy's throat and then just like sort of rolls out of it, flicks her head and then just goes back into, oh, yep. Yeah. And you know, I, I feel like that was the one scene where we were like, holy shit. And that mm. was like, that was the Oscar nomination right or there. Or you've got to also remember when good looking actresses go ugly for a role, they often get nominated and she was a little bit ugly <laughs> in the middle there. There's a deep philosophical debate is how would you have not recognized her? I mean, seriously, like, <laughs> she's on all yeah. the news channels, she's mm-hmm. slightly browned here, yeah. and she's wearing glasses. What the f- Yeah, yeah super, like, like Superman. Oh, true, yeah. Clark Kent. <laughs> it is a well-documented fact that if people wear sunglasses around them, around me, I cannot recognise them until they start talking. <laughs> it's a well-proven fact. Mm. I just had, who knew you could drain all the water from a toilet? Oh, yeah, when she yeah. gets the urine. Yeah, it's like... Yeah, and where did she How do you do the, that? Trust you to start thing. talking about toilet stuff So on she podcast. drained... I don't understand. Yeah, I don't understand. So she drained the water. Yeah. And then the chick went to pee and then couldn't flush it. So it was just sitting in the bottom of the toilet and that's how she got I guess so, because right you, yeah, you got that U-bend. So uh, yeah, it goes down mean. before... And then it goes up again before it goes down. So well, there's been. a question for you. Would you piss in someone's toilet and then just walk away and leave it? Even if they're saying, uh, hey, just, just leave my pee in the toilet. What else are you supposed to do? Is that kind of something that you uh, you normally check though when you go to the 
the if bathroom at somebody else's house. If you're a pregnant lady who's drank a whole heap of lemonade that's been given to you by a crazy woman, which is what happened, you can't hold on. Okay, you, if, you if I'm go. a pregnant lady, I think I've got other problems. <laughs> <laughs> you do. But there you go. You can drain a toilet. Uh, question number four is a Patreon question. This question comes courtesy of the amazing man that is Dave Baker. Dave also has a Patreon himself at patreon.com forward slash your favorite. On it, he posts a ton of awesome content. And you guys should all go check it out. And what Dave would like to know this week is which character from this film would have the most, like the biggest social media presence and on what platform? Well, this is just, we're all going to have the same answer, right? No. Who's going to be bigger than Amazing Amy? Missy Pyle's character. Who's that? <laughs> God damn it, I've forgotten her name. Uh, she was the one that does the <laughs> interview at the end when they announce that. Oh, Amy's Sharon. Alan Abbott. No, not Sharon. Oh, Alan the Abbott. Alan's the, yeah, the blondie. Oh. The crazy, like, yeah. the entertainment style, like. Fake news lady. You're the fake mm. news lady. <laughs> fake news is the most popular news going at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> okay. What about you, Kahu? I'm going for Tanner Bolt. Because he's, oh, I mean, yeah. he's, he's all over the TV anyway, but he'd be, he'd be everywhere on LinkedIn. He'd actually be uh, kind of a character that you'd want to be as long as you're happy defending assholes. Because at least you can just swim around in your money. Uh, I don't know, he goes to pretty some deep, dark fucking places, man. I don't know if I'd really want <laughs> but, to. But he manages to remain upbeat the entire time. Oh, he, yeah, he's Shit happy go lucky get... about it all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He doesn't have to do anything and the money comes in. Yeah, exactly. What does he do? <laughs> We've got a question about that. Moves us over to question number five, also a Patreon question. This question comes courtesy of the amazing man is Julio of the Contrarians podcast, a podcast in which they rage against the Rotten Tomatoes machine. So, for instance, a film that might have 87% like Gone Girl does, <laughs> Julio and Alex, the two legends that they are, would talk about why this film is absolutely rubbish and then offer their uh, real talk in the end. Uh, what would you like to know there, Stace? He would like to know, what's your most controversial opinion about this film? I'm going with, this is Ben Affleck's best film. That oh! isn't controversial. Even better than Pearl Harbor. <laughs> <laughs> See, if you said Pearl Harbor was his best film, that would have been controversial. Oh, is or it, giggly is, you. <laughs> is this quite well agreed to be his best film? Is that what you're saying, Sam? Yeah. I think when you think of Ben Affleck films, I mean, you could say Goodwill Hunting, but he's not really the main lead in that. You know, it's more Matt Damon's film. Pretty good in Argo, Fuck Yourself. Hated that movie. Hated that movie. Whoa. Whoa, now, that's now we're getting controversial. I thought opinion. it was average. <laughs> Coming up next week <laughs> Argo, <laughs> Fuck Yourself. <laughs> For me, and this is going to come as no surprise to the guys out there that give me shit about this, but in 2014, Rosamund Pike was nominated for the lead actress Oscar. She lost to Julianne Moore, who was playing Alice and still Alice. Oh, yeah. Guess who uh, Julianne Moore also beat? Marion Cotillard in the film Two oh. Days and One Night. Two Days and One Night is a brilliant film. Absolutely brilliant. Marion Cotillard's performance in it is probably my favourite performance of the 2010s. It's a, it's a good film. It's yeah, but she's phenomenal in it. Good performance. It's not. This performance by Rosamund Pike, here's a controversial opinion, is pretty much three good scenes. The rest of the time, as you said, is just, she's yeah. just there. Yeah. She's, not, she's hardly even in the first half of the yeah, exactly. movie. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Whereas Marion Cotillard's performance from start to finish is amazing. I will say Julianne Moore's performance in Still Alice, yeah, is still pretty good, but... Mm. My controversial opinion is that this entire movie is just overacted. I'd agree. By every single character. I would agree. Ben Pen- Affleck is overacting. Rosamund Pike is overacting. The cat's overacting. <laughs> but the cat is awesome. <laughs> the cat is awesomely overacting. Tanner Bolt is definitely overacting. I so mean, is Neil Patrick Harris. Sorry, Tyler Perry. Uh, Neil Patrick. Yeah, everyone is overacting. Do you know who the worst offenders are? The, her parents. Yes. Her yeah. parents. Her parents are the, oh, some of the worst shocking. offenders. But yes. the other one that is really bad is Patrick Fugit. The other police officer. Oh, yeah. Who's yeah. Just, oh. oh, I hate him. Ooh, he's a bad guy. Ooh, I don't like him. It's like, shut up, dude. Shut up. Actually, the parents were two of the most kind of despicable characters in the whole movie, I thought. Yes, yeah. they were. I just thought they were, like, terrible people. No likable characters in the yeah. film. so wooden and they yeah. didn't give a shit about their daughter. Yeah. Really? Well, that's the impression. Well, I yeah, got. they did, but kind of pretending because they'd taken advantage of her her whole life. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. 
Right. Uh, moves us over to our next question. Also, a Patreon question comes courtesy of the amazing woman, and that is Emily Higgins, host of the Tasteless Podcast and soon to be on our upcoming Halloween episode. Can't wait for that. Don't know what it's going to be yet, but she is. It'll be that new Halloween movie coming out. <laughs> I think it comes out next year. Yeah. Maybe Borat too. That's probably yeah. going to be horrific. Anyway, Kahu, what is it? Which side character would have the best spin-off movie? Have we all got the same answer here? Uh, I don't know. Tanner Bolt. No, okay, we don't. I was going to go with the police officer, Kim Dickens' character. Okay. Rhonda Boney. Yeah. <laughs> that could be the name of the movie as well. Help me, Rhonda. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Help me, Rhonda. I feel like a slapstick comedy. Okay, um, what Ben Affleck writes in blood about two years after this film finishes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I went actually with the child who's about to be born. That is a lot of material there. <laughs> Oh. What? Why would you want to watch that movie? I don't know. It'd be like that. Uh, the Omen? No, no, I was thinking of that movie that's the one where it's like the kid growing up for the first Oh, sort of, Boyhood. Yeah, Boyhood. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That would just, there's bound to be some crazy shit in there from, oh, you, you from the parents, yeah. That's if this child in pregnancy is even real. Well, that's true. That's true. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Moves us over to our next question, also a Patreon question. This question comes courtesy of the amazing man, this Dan Brennick of the Netflix and Swill podcast, a podcast that is all things Netflix related. And Dan also has an amazing story about Gone Girl. He took a girl on a date to Gone Girl and went swimmingly. Really? Yeah, they never saw each other again. What? Oh, no. Too close to home, eh? (laughs) That's a shame. Anyway, what Dan would like to know, well, he's got two questions. This question is a little bit more sillier. Where would we have inserted the song, All the Small Things, into this film? Well, I was taking the mood of this song into consideration. It's quite upbeat, quite lighthearted, makes you kind of smile and go, oh, yeah. And oh, I- so when she kills Dizzy? Yes. What? That's exactly it. It's like, Are you serious? That scene was very... <laughs> what is going on here? <laughs> that scene was very intense and hard to watch and gruesome. So I just feel that it needed a bit of uplifting. Fair well, enough. Would have sided well too, given that they used to date when they were at high school and it probably would have been a popular song oh, when they were at high school. Oh, like so. a little bit of a throwback. Yeah, Money. given how obsessed he is with like, the past. My answer is just the shower scene. <laughs> oh, oh For obvious reasons. <laughs> Are you talking about Baffles's? But you couldn't really see how big it was. Well, no, you couldn't, but, but it's, it's still, still, still appropriate. <laughs> the Buffenus. The Venus. The Venus. Yeah. Are you talking about the Venus? I, I thought that was unnecessary. <laughs> it was. Are you talking about his Venus and his Afflex? Uh, yeah, I think so. <laughs> We need to stop talking about the penis. Uh, <laughs> what about you, Sam? Where are you inserting this Yes, please, please pull us out of this. Um, the <laughs> scene where he proposes to her. You know, they're in a bar and they're talking about things and she's writing it down on a notepad and it all seems kind of pretentious and I thought it would have been sort of put on ironically. And then he pulls out the wedding ring or the engagement ring and so all the small things, the engagement uh, ring. That, that uh, whole scene was a bit stupid because yeah. they were all... Like actual reporters, eh? Or correspondents or something? No idea. And they were just like so happy with that, how that whole played it, whole thing played out. Who proposes to their future partner in front of a bunch of dudes like that? Yeah. Like, where's the romance? Yeah. Yeah. Just, oh, I know. I'm just going to make them feel so fucking awkward that they have to say yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And a, um, and a, and a booth. Yeah, and a booth. They can't leave. <laughs> at a party she doesn't want to be at. <laughs> yeah. Goddamn Venus. Anyway, anyway, question number eight, Stace. It is, what's one thing you noticed that you don't think other people might have immediately noticed? Nobody in this town seems to have fences. What? <laughs> <laughs> like, the, the Baffleck just moves kind of between his house to his sister's to the woodshed. There's no fences. He doesn't have to climb any gates or anything. That's a good point. It's it like, quite common in those kind of, um, what do you call them, those neighbourhoods where all the houses are the same, you know? Yeah, but in suburbia, know, like Lego houses, people yeah. at least have kind of uh, picket fences, or, oh, or even yeah. in small towns. But, uh, yeah. yeah, I don't know. Maybe, maybe they just hadn't, well, hadn't got, had the chance to build them yet, seeing somebody was murdered in their own house. They don't, they don't need fences because they've got guns. 
Keep people out of their That's true. It's a little known fact as well that fences are actually illegal in the state of Missouri. <laughs> what? <laughs> sure, sure, why not? <laughs> yeah. I'm I sure our one Missouri was... listeners sitting there going, fuck up, idiot. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Everybody seems to be able to move between places in this town like, without yeah. anybody seeing you. It really distorts where they are and what they're doing. Yeah, yeah. You know, you're just like, what? Yeah, yeah. Like, Like when he goes to that woodshed, I had no idea that that was behind his sister's house. Yeah. And not his house. I was, or it was dad's house. I was like, I don't know where I am right now. Yeah, Yeah, yeah. Although it did imply that he had to drive from his house to, at least to his dad's house. Yeah. Which kind of made sense because his house was obviously sort of McMansion suburbia. And the dad's house was kind of, it looked like it was sort of a bit more of a rundown area. And how did she get all that stuff in the shed? Yeah, 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 yeah. You asked that while we were watching it. You were like, <laughs> yeah. how did she get all that stuff in the shed? The only thing I could think of to that was that him and her would be working nights at that bar. Well, no, he's a professor. He wouldn't be working nights. But he's always saying to her, I'm going out to that bar, when really he's off banging his chick. So she probably would have ample opportunity because his sister would be working the bar. He'd be off banging Emily Radikowski, lucky man. And then <laughs> I was wondering how long it would take me before I say that. And then... She's going to have ample opportunity, basically. It's going to yeah, be although home. she would have to do it quite soon before she disappeared in That's case true, it got yeah. uncovered, which was kind of plausible because at one point, I think it was Amy said that it was the middle of summer or something, so they wouldn't have had their fires going anyway. Yeah, it's 4th of July. Yeah, it, yeah, it yeah. It's 5th of July. Yeah, so that kind of makes sense, but you're still relying on Margot not going out to her shed. Yeah. The thing for me, there's two. First of all, there's the one where at the press conference, so I don't know what is like the vigil or whatever, when he sort of gets up and gives a little bit of a talk. He then runs away from some people that are like screaming at him, have you killed your wife or whatever? And I say running in like the loosest sense. Yeah, exactly. He's running like his elbows are like bolted to his hip bones. Yeah, he's like and a... his arms are flailing around like an inflatable arm tube man, like you see on bloody he's got like, he's got outside like, Carlots. He's got like Lego figurine knees for elbow joints yeah absolutely it's absolutely it's a bizarre run the other thing well it wouldn't be this podcast if i didn't mention kfc at one point they show an amy helpline that's posted underneath a kfc sign as if implying you know hey come in and get your bucket while the while you're at it have you this blonde girl's missing at the moment have you seen her i was like what the fuck why is kfc trying to put up like call amy or whatever what about these days what do you notice oh I was going to talk about the cat, but I think we've been over him enough. Yeah, we've heard enough about ginger pussies, thank you. (laughs) So, when they were in that abandoned shopping mall area where all the homeless people have taken up residence, they walked down the double escalator at the start. Now, I don't know if I was just seeing things or (laughs) this actually was there, is the handrail to the escalator went straight into the ground I did notice that. It had, oh, someone else <laughs> Only on the second time we were watching it just before, though. Yeah, it had, like, run off. Yeah. yeah, so, like, I didn't understand that. That's what you noticed? Yeah. <laughs> Have you got a thing for escalators? <laughs> no, this is my first ever escalator. I guess I was pretty horny. <laughs> <laughs> it's my first ever escalator-related piece of trivia. <laughs> God, I've missed you on this podcast. <laughs> what the fuck are you talking about? Who knows? Moves us over to question number nine. What do you got there, Kahu? Uh, question nine. What quote from this film would be the worst thing to hear after you finish having sex? When Ben Affleck returns his dad with dementia back to the retirement village slash aged care home or whatever, they get out of the car and he goes to put his arm around his dad to say goodbye. Dad turns around and goes, Get your fucking hands off me! <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes. Either that, or I've killed for you. Who else can say that? <laughs> Ooh, creepy. Stacy said that a couple of times. <laughs> hey, mine is uh, Nick. This is what Nick says to the detective Rhonda. He says, "I don't know where my wife is, and I came home to this." <laughs> <laughs> What do you got, Kahu? Uh, when Margot is uh, talking to Nick and she says, what's this? It's like a little box of hate. <laughs> <laughs> or along those lines, I can't remember it exactly. Uh, well, actually, Margot there. had a lot of the best lines in this movie, actually. I don't feel like we've said enough good things about yeah. her. I was yeah, going to say yeah. this at the end. She's probably the like, 
the true MVP of this film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is at Beckles' one, sister. At one point she says, there's some wood for you, bitch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. there's some wood for you, bitch. <laughs> yeah. That's a good one. <laughs> question number 10. Uh, this question also a Patreon question. Comes courtesy of the amazing man that is Nick of the Epic Film Guys, who was on our podcast last week talking social network. Link down in the show notes. Or go check out his podcast. Or go check out all those other podcasts I'm talking about. Subscribe. They're amazing. Leave them five-star reviews. Do all the stuff that I don't ever bother asking you to do for this podcast. And what Nick would like to know is what would the ending have been if this film had been rewritten as a Shakespearean tragedy slash comedy? I'd, had, I'd almost go out on a limb and say this already is a Shakespearean tragedy, but uh, what do you guys got? You got anything else? Well, I'd sure put the slash in comedy. <laughs> so, so, say by some miracle that, that the child grows up under these two dysfunctional parents, ends up going to college, and on the graduation day, Amy actually reveals to Nick that it's Desi's child. Oh. Twisted. I totally agree with you guys that this is this. I got excited about this question. I was like, yes, this question makes the movie make sense. When I read really? This, yeah, when I read this question, I was like, if this had been rewritten as Shakespearean tragedy. And I agree with you, Sam. I think, yes, it is. And now that I know that, I need to go back and watch it again. And I, I can now appreciate it because it had so many of the elements of Shakespearean tragedies, such as the all the misinformation yeah. going on mm. and different characters only knowing certain pieces of information mm. and getting crossed up over and mixed up and and it makes everything. Um and uh but there's one element that was missing, more people needed to be dead at the end of the movie. Mm. So I think in the ending, Amy should kill Nick, his girlfriend, and then herself. And then it is a true Shakespearean tragedy. Touching on that, I had that she axed his sister. And then she axed. Ooh, the I, I let Margot. Yeah, walk that, free. that would seem pretty plausible. I yeah. yeah. Like just axing all the people that clearly would know about the story. Like she, Amy ah, is clearly yes. very smart, and she would have known that there's other people in this that obviously have probably worked it out themselves. Yeah. yeah. Especially the detective who actually has the ability to do something about it. Yeah, it was, yeah. absolutely. Mm. So I feel like she would have done something else. The only other thing I could come up with on top of that is that she got sick of Ben Affleck sleeping in the other room. So she basically turned him into a quadriplegic. And so he had to sleep in the same bed as her. Oh, oh, it turns into like misery. Yeah, like misery, like effectively hobbles him. Damn, we're dark. (laughs) What is this question doing to us? I'm going to have nightmares, man. (laughs) Thanks, Nick. Thanks, Nick. You've given me nightmares. I'm just going to have to think of you for a little bit before I go to sleep. And then hopefully I'll have some pleasant (laughs) dreams. Anywho, um, moves us over to our personal questions. What do you got there, Kahu? Okay, so the first of mine, do you think Margot was too early in believing her brother's story? My first initial reaction was, yes, she was too. Because she just really didn't question it when he came to her with the details, you know? Yeah. And um, so I think, yeah, she should have questioned him a bit more and just gone, how did you find this out? And how, you know, what happened there? But then the only small, slight thing pulling me back was that these guys are each other's only family. Yeah. Like their parents, well, her, their mum's dead and their dad's out of the picture, basically. So they've got each other's back. So in a way, yeah, that's that's probably the reason why she didn't question him is because it's like, hey, I'm here. Mm. She almost has to. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I could say a million good things about Margot. She is very trusting and letting him sleep with his girlfriend. You know, and like, well, no, she didn't let him, but she wouldn't. She found him the next day. Man, I'd be done with him. You know what well, I mean? Like, she didn't give him a good. Yeah, she did. But to. I mean, but the other thing is too is that, and I've, oh, this is what I'm going to discuss: is Ben Affleck doesn't act guilty in this film. In the start, yeah. where it's like, did he kill his wife? We don't know. He doesn't act guilty. He also doesn't act innocent. He acts like a fucking mental case. I don't know yeah. what he's acting like. So she probably would have been like, he's just like he always was. He just seems very non-phased about his wife going missing. It's he might have weird. been relieved because she's a bit nuts, right? He almost, yeah, he almost. So was it was relieved. like, oh, He's, thank God, I have to she's disappeared with her for a few days. I don't Hallelujah. know where she is, but yeah. what do okay. you got next, go? Uh, question twelve: What fictional child character, i.e., like Amazing Amy, is likely to grow up to be a total psycho? Well, talking about deja vu, I feel like we've asked this question before, and I'm pretty sure I said Kevin McAllister from Home Alone. That guy is nuts. Yeah. He's a goddamn sociopath. He's going to grow up and kill someone. Have you, have you listened to Macaulay Culkin since he's been an adult? Yes. He is a really weird guy. He, he's unusual. 
He's, he laughs at real uh, inappropriate moments in interviews. What's wrong with that? <laughs> it's just it's just off. I feel attacked right now. <laughs> All I can think of is the baby in the labyrinth. Really? Mm. Uh, yeah. So David Bowie's singing a song and throws his baby way up in the air. And the ba- and that freaked me out. I, th- so that's what made me remember. But then I'm thinking, this is the baby brother of the chick who goes right through the labyrinth and everything. I'm like, well, you've like missed the obvious answer here. <laughs> She's had her little brother kidnapped by the Goblin King. <laughs> yeah, I know. That's some pretty traumatic shit. Yeah, exactly. It is for everybody look, involved. Look what it did to me. <laughs> Turned you into a goblin. And she's seen David Bowie's codpiece. Come on, man. There's yeah. no coming back from that. <laughs> we were all traumatized by that. Exactly. Yes. My final question. What does the year six treasure hunt look like for Amy and Nick? So I've done a bit of research. They <laughs> talked about how the fifth is wood. Yeah. The sixth is iron. Sounds it's, ominous. <laughs> it, it's very ominous. Here is a rusty spoon. For your vasectomy. That is what I'm imagining <laughs> for the sixth. Oh, he would go along with it too. <laughs> he, he's got, he just seems like he's given up. He yeah, probably yeah, would yeah. go along with it. He's lost the will to live, but oh, keeps on living. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, to be quite honest, there won't be one. You don't reckon? No, because things are going to end up like my Shakespearean tragedy somehow, somewhere along the way. They're both not going to be there. Both? Ben Affleck goes gone guy. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Moves us over to Stacey. What do you got? Okay. So we've talked about old Amy's voice, and it's just so intriguing. I'd love to hear you guys impersonate Amy Dunn, and I've given you both a quote to use. Okay, here we go. I like how mine's much shorter than yours. I hate how yours is (laughs) much shorter. She asked me if I wanted to change it. She was like, should we make Kahu do the long one? I was like, Kahu can't handle a long one. Oh, Sam. (laughs) And you can. And you can, yeah. Oh, I can. Right, who wants to go first? Okay, here's mine. Nick, Nick Dunn took my pride and my dignity and my hope and my money. He took and took from me until I no longer existed. That's murder. Good. <laughs> I thought I was watching the movie. I just closed my eyes. It was Amy. <laughs> closed, closed my eyes and Rosamund Pike was right in front of me. <laughs> I've done that a few times. Oh, oh no. Okay, Kahu. You haven't lived till you've been piked, bro. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Clearly. All right, Kahu, you need, you need to follow that up now. I'm so much happier now that I'm dead. Technically missing. Soon to be presumed dead. Gone. <laughs> that was cool. That, that was, was creepy. That was creepy. <laughs> I felt like I was listening to Kahu's suicide note. <laughs> I thought I thought it was sounded like a trailer cut, like trailer voiceover. Yeah. <laughs> Should be trailer guy. Mm. Well done, guys. I loved it. Not really. <laughs> ten uh, out of ten for effort all round. Yes. <laughs> Okay, uh, so in one scene we see old Dizzy, mate, um, pick up some... Dizzy, clothes. mate? <laughs> Dizzy, mate, yeah. Pick up some clothes for Amy to make her look much better than her mousy brown drab self. How confident would you guys be in buying clothes for a woman? Absolutely 0%. What the hell? I'm not even confident buying clothes for myself. How? <laughs> yeah, I'm with you there. <laughs> like buyer's remorse, man. I have buyer's remorse before I've even finished paying. <laughs> when we closed shopping today, I tried on 22 pairs of jean shorts that all looked like each other, and I still don't like the pair I brought. You just couldn't get them tight enough, could you, Sam? I couldn't. I need them to see my package. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah, but hang on, well, a, hang on a sec. So, but guys know what they like to see a woman wearing, don't they? So wouldn't that make it easier? Yeah, here's the thing, right? If you, if you buy clothes for a woman, you yeah. don't know what size she is really, do you? No. So, I don't know. so you're making a judgment and that's so, very uh, dangerous. Exactly. Uh. If you come back with clothes that are too tight, she'll immediately think he wants me to lose weight. 
If you come back with clothes that are too loose, she'll immediately think he thinks I'm really fat. Yeah. So either way, real small margin of error. Very small margin of error. Either way, you're screwed. Hey, yeah. I, I reckon we can swing it around, though, Sam. That because if you're buying a woman an item of clothing, and this is obviously a woman that you want to buy clothing for because you like her. Yeah. Um, to know a size, it has to be relative to the size of other women. So by not buying an item of clothing, you are being quite honest and that you're not looking at other women to get those relative sizes. <laughs> hey. I have no idea what you mean. Is this like a Schrodinger's cat situation? <laughs> Where if you it's open the box? To, to understand women's sizing, you have to look at lots of sizes right. of different women. Mm. But or for just... that very reason, you can't buy your woman an item of clothing because you haven't looked at other women to find out what those sizes are. Nor have you analysed your own woman enough to find out what size she is. Yeah, but I'm trying to turn it into a positive. I know, I know. I feel like you've used Help me here, help me here. Okay, okay. If you guys are in Desi's shoes, you just wait till she's asleep, look at the label on her current clothing, and then you've got the size. If you woke up and found me looking inside your undies to see how big they are, what would you do? <laughs> well, you should have well, maybe gone with small this <laughs> Yeah. Or, or dress or something like that. If you woke up and found me inside your dress, were you, what would you say? If I wasn't weary. <laughs> so, this explains a lot. <laughs> exactly. Okay, that's a really good place to wrap that one up. Okay, question 16. Uh, why would anyone hire a lawyer that has a 100k retainer and then not listen to what he has to say whatsoever? Because uh, he's Ben Affleck and he's a total moron. <laughs> yes. What does that say? Because I'm Ben Affleck and I'm an idiot. <laughs> yeah. Because he's what the hell is going? <laughs> that's literally the only thing I've got written on my piece of paper. Because I'm Ben Affleck and I'm an idiot. <laughs> he's you. You told me to answer this. He's trying his very best to appear guilty. <laughs> like that's what it seems like. <laughs> It's this leads me straight into my first question. Let's get into it. What the fuck is Ben Affleck doing in the first third <laughs> yeah, of this movie? Yeah, yeah. He's not. He's it's, it's like it's trying to imply that he's guilty or that he's innocent. But like he's he's sleeping with his you know Andy Emily Ratajkowski at his sister's house. Like oh, give, your give wife him, is fucking missing you, idiot. Give him some credit. He does give it like at least two weak attempts to try and get her out of the house first. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> It gives her two week attempts until, until two things come out of her shirt. And then all, all, it's all over. Weak okay. at the knees, that guy. Okay, so Ben Affleck, his character, so the, the acting, the overacting that he's doing in the first third of the movie or yeah. whatever, is he's trying to extract himself from the situation. Like, he's not in the situation. Yeah, but it's so where he's not upset, he's not remorseful. Exactly, because he's not in the situation. That's what's happening. To the point that this film would have been better and made us feel like he's actually done it if that actually made him seem facetiously upset. You know what I mean? Like, there is no remorse. There's no, like, oh, I can't oh, believe. I it's not upset. It, when I... they walk around the house and he's like, oh, we found blood up here. He's like, oh, okay. Oh, okay. Oh, <laughs> I know what's happened, guys. Ben Affleck read the entire script, so yeah. he knows what happens in the end. <laughs> 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 I'm just imagining on the set, David Fincher. Okay, Ben, we need you to be really upset to see your wife's missing. No, she's not. She's like fucking yeah, yeah. down the road at some place. Yeah. Campsite. No, 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 Ben, fuck, man. You've got to listen to me, okay? She's, but I've, I've read the whole thing, David. I know what happens. I know what happens. I'm just going to be like this, okay? <sighs> exactly. They need a drip feed script to Ben so that he knows how to act. He's not used to being in good movies, so he's... <laughs> True. It, it doesn't usually matter that he's read the script beforehand. <laughs> he's pretty much like a younger Bruce Willis, eh? He's like, shows up, he's like, so I read these lines and I go home and you give me $10 million. Okay, cool. Okay, fine. <laughs> right, let's go. <laughs> oh, Got any emotion out of me or anything? Yes, well, you're not going to get it, sorry. <laughs> Too bad. Anywho, um, so, yeah, we've kind of touched on this a little bit, and I wanted to know from you guys, like, which character in this film 
given that they all seem to have some horrible, horrible endings, do you guys feel the most sorry for? I reckon it's just got to be Margot. True, yeah, she's got to be the loving, um, supporting sister, otherwise Amy Dunn's going to murder her. Yeah, that's right, knowing that Amy could come for her at any time. Yeah. And also being paranoid that Nick is, is getting with some crazy other person in the woodshed. He would never do that. Yeah, he probably wouldn't ever do that now. Not anymore, yeah. but you you would have that fear that he is like banging her in your woodshed. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. I mean, at least it's not on the couch. They say it in the film. That, yeah. yeah, there's like five different locations. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like his office. The, the, brown, <laughs> the brown house. <laughs> Why do they call it the brown house? Uh, because... You don't want to know. I missed that. <laughs> you don't, no, you don't. <laughs> totally missed that. Um, what about you? Who do you feel most sorry for? It's got to be Amy. Because what? Because how do you feel sorry for that sociopath? Exactly, she's got to live with herself. That is her she life. She doesn't seem to give a shit. She, she doesn't care. No, but I still feel sorry for people that are just so deluded that they just don't know what they're doing or think they know what they're doing, and are just really yeah. I mean, it, it would have been more believable. I'm getting a divorce now. <laughs> yeah. What? Why? Before you turn into her. Why would I turn into her? What about the poor guy in New York that's had to register everywhere as a sex offender? <laughs> yeah. Just because he broke up with her and she got pissed off and, you know, faked a rape charge or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Come on, he's the one you've got to feel the most sorry for. His life yes, been actually, ex- I changed screwed. my answer. Yes. Okay, final question. So, yeah, we've talked about how he ends up sort of entrapped with Amy at the end with no real hope in sight. She's having a baby that is his and he's going to stay married to her and probably eventually end up sleeping in the same bed as her. But I want to know from you guys, if you're in his shoes, how would you have escaped Amy's entrapment? I think he just has to try and fake his own death and get out of there. <laughs> Pretty much right. To be honest, I, I really couldn't, aside from just knocking himself off, there's no real other way he can get out of this. Because she'll find him. <laughs> how, how would she find him, though? Is she like some super amazing sleuth type person? Oh, she's just a crazy lady. <laughs> she's just, yeah. like, she'd be like the Terminator. She would just yeah. hunt him to the end of the earth. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, my answer's out the window then. I was just thinking that he needs to call the vacuum cleaner repairman from Better Call Saul. Oh, I was wondering where that was going. (laughs) This is about to take a very dark turn. (laughs) The vacuum cleaner repairman. Yeah, yeah. Breaking Bad. That's how how they all find their new identities and give them a new life and drop them off in a van in the middle of nowhere. The way I looked at it is she's almost like a cat. Right? Mm. And that if you dangle a bit of string in front of a cat, it gets, like he does, like he does on the TV, she gets very, very interested. It's like, ooh, I want that, I want that string, I want that string, I want mm. that string. All I could think is that you've got to make yourself so unappealing that she just doesn't want you anymore. But he is and, trying to do that. He's having an affair. He's like withdrawing from the marriage, but it's making her more. Oh, yeah. So she flips the other side. So that's what I'm saying is like he needs to go the other way. He needs to be like so oh. all up in her face. He needs uh. to follow her everywhere she goes. Uh. He needs to just breathe down her neck. He just needs just to shower her in gifts and clothes of the right size. Exactly. Uh. He needs to become dizzy. Do a dizzy. She <laughs> wants to get rid of. No, no, she uh, does. That worked out she... real well for him. <laughs> maybe, maybe not like slit throat open. You know what I mean? But he becomes so psychotically obsessed that she breaks up with him, and moves on, sort of thing. You yeah. need to do that. But you then can't... she comes back. What? Ten years later and kills you. So I'd still... I'd probably be happier with that than fucking living with her for the rest of my life. Yeah. I, <laughs> I'd rather it, have 10 years of freedom and then murdered. He's got to do something. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he can't. But the, the, the twist is, though, 10 years on, when she calls up, it's like, oh, I need you. He's not going to come running. Exactly. And that's, that's the end. That takes us down to question number 20, which is a listener question, one that we threw out there to you guys, our dear listeners, to answer for us. But we're going to give you guys our answers first. So, yeah, we, as we mentioned, Rosamund Pike got nominated for an Oscar for this. Highly recognised as probably one of the best villain performances by a female in the 2010s. So, is she? That's the question we've got. So, I'm asking you guys, who was your guys' favourite villain performance from the 2010s by a female actress? Yeah, I, I reckon this one was, yeah, it's right up there, definitely. So, uh, you must be pretty pissed off when Stacey was saying your stuff about it. <laughs> No, no, no. You kept, th- you kept a very pokerish face there. I, Apart from the accent, I think... Are you think... going to murder Stacey with a box cutter? <laughs> <laughs> I think the uh, the calculating nature of her as a villain kind of tipped it into that next level. Yeah. Mm. Um, compared to lots of other villains where it's more like um, just reacting to certain situations. 
Hey, I'm going really lighthearted and not overthinking this at all, and it's totally not on the same level as this. Can I pick it? Can I guess? Yep. Is it Haller out of Ragnarok? Yes. Uh, <laughs> I knew it. <laughs> yep. Tara Maholic loves you this week. Kate that was her Brashett. choice as well. Oh, was it? Yeah. Oh, yay. Go, Tara. Yes. I love Kate Blanchett, and I just love yeah. that character. And, and I loved it in Marvel. Having a female villain in Marvel was cool. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, she looked she exactly good. like what my dream woman was when I was 17, 18, to <laughs> now. A dark-haired woman with blue eyes who's just evil for the sake of it okay oh yeah <laughs> hell a year oh <laughs> awkward <laughs> <laughs> they've been seen like as much as i've sort of taken shots at rosamund pike's performance of this i still think this is really iconic mm. you know in terms of like female villains that you think of in the 2010s the other one i put down was ava out of ex machina which i thought was villainous but a lot of people argued with me online her arc is almost it's self-preservation more than yeah. anything. So yeah, she's up there. Rosie had to get out as well. Yeah, she was just oh, so creepy. Oh, yeah, especially at the end. She's yeah. like asking, smiling at him to kill her. <laughs> <laughs> just creepy. So yeah, we threw it out for a vote to see what you guys would come up with. Amy topped the poll. Amy got 43% of the, of the vote. Ava from Examarkana got 27%. Rose from Get Out got 16%. And Harley Quinn from Suicide Squad, which I thought you were going to pick because you love Suicide Squad. And Birds of Prey, she got 14% out of 174 votes. Thank you, everybody, for voting. A couple of shout-outs. First of all, Paul from the Countdown Podcast, awesome podcast that you guys should all be listening to. They've been on recently for Total Recall. Paul has got me going over to do a bonus episode on a show soon where he's going through the top 100 films of all time. And I'm doing uh, episode. Whoa, in one episode? Nah, not one. Oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, one episode. Christ. It's going to be 20 hours long. It's the best podcast you're never going to listen to. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm on there to do 61 to 70, I believe. Okay. I wanted to get 69, so that's why I volunteered for 69. <laughs> that's how mature I am. <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyway, yeah, Paul from the Countdown Podcast said, great topic. I think Rose from Get Out Edges, Amy from Gone Girl. Emily Higgins said, this is hard, this is a mean question, and then she said she has to go with Rose because of the pure delight she felt when she turned. I agree. It was such a, like, reveal. Oh, that was when he asked for the car keys, eh? Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Like, yeah. I can't do that. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. Uh, Hendo from the Movie Journey podcast said, I know it's a stretch, but can you consider Mal from Inception? Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. totally. Yeah. Church's fan Papa followed that up with ex- excellent reference, although like the argument for Ava, you could say Mal wasn't truly a villain as she was just manifestation of Cobb's mind. Tara, as I said, not sure if it fits the timeline, but Halla, duh. Of course. Of course mm-hmm. Ragnarok does. Fair said, I've never been more terrified of a female. Amy is a legend. Global Communism said, oh, that's easy. Amy. Egg slash Acid said, Blake Lively in a simple favour. I, no, I didn't watch it. Yeah, you that watched was, it without yeah. me. It's quite good, actually. Yeah, oh, I forgot Stacey's about that changing one. her answer. No, I'm Backing not, down no. on you, Tara. No, 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 I'm not. I'm just saying, hey, that was good. I forgot about it. Christopher St. Germain said, that is a real hard choice between Amy Dunn and Ava, but I choose Amy. Game Over Movie Reviews said, counterpoint, Ava is not the villain of Ex Machina, Nathan Calabar, mm, as we sort of touched on. Maria Emma said, Harley Quinn. Rich Wilson said, I think you can make a case that Ava isn't the villain at all. Again, still coming out. Yeah. Final two, Cinema Recall said the only real villain on this list is Rose from Get Out. I totally disagree with that. Amy Dunn is completely a villain, and yeah. that's the whole premise of Harley Quinn. I think Ava, maybe you can yeah. make an argument, but completely disagree. Uh, and then Julio from The Contrarians said, I'm a little concerned that Rose is the only one I feel is a villain on this list. Again, same thing. Mm. I it's think you guys weird. need to rewatch Gone Girl because this woman is clearly, yeah. clearly a yeah. villain. The movie doesn't happen without her as the villain. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. R- finds out her husband's cheating on her rather than just, I don't know, get a divorce. Yeah, yeah. Beat him up, move on. Goes out of her way to plot the movie. <laughs> hey, hey, hey. Maybe these people only watched the movie up to the point of the candlelight vigil and then didn't watch any further. So she appears to be the victim. True. Sure. Okay. <laughs> Makes sense. <laughs> it's the only plausible explanation. Is that what you did, Julio? Get in contact with me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, thanks to everyone for tuning in. Thanks to these guys for joining me. Any final thoughts? Anything you want to throw out there? Yeah, watch Gone Girl, but maybe not on a first date. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Where were you six years ago for poor old Dan? I oh, know, I'm sorry. Too late. <laughs> too much or too late. Yeah, if you're listening to this podcast before you head off to bed with your partner, good luck to you. <laughs> 
Uh, special shout out. We literally just got a new Patreon as of today. Thank you, Renegade. You know who you are. You're the man, bro. Thank you for signing up. Renegade actually wants us to do a film for a Patreon-only episode. And Ooh. so... Can we reveal it? No, I don't want to reveal it okay, to you okay, yet. Okay. But it's going to be next month. So we're doing Multiplicity for Duty this month, and then we're doing something next month. I've got mm. a... Yeah. I'm going to keep it a surprise. Keep it a surprise. But we're, just for you, Renegade, you know what it is. We're doing it, bro. I'm making it happen. But anyway, yeah, if you guys also want to join our Patreon and give us a couple of dollars so that we can keep this show going, you can find us on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash MRITQS. You can also email us on MRITQS at gmail.com or find us on Facebook at Move Reviews and 20Qs or alternatively on Twitter at Move Reviews and. Anyway, that is thanks for me. Thanks. Bye bye. Do you remember when he goes on that Sharon show and she's doing those vocal warm ups? And I was like, we need to do that for our podcast. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. You guys legitimately sound like someone getting a blowjob while playing a didgeridoo. <laughs> wow, that's, that's what I was aiming you. for.